Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Well, Jude, I'm excited because today we're joined by a man of many talents and I believe very little free time. Both a producer and host of many podcasts, a streamer on Twitch, and essentially an overall talented creator for all things geek, I'm delighted to welcome the Rob Logan from the Geek Generation to the podcast. Welcome to the show, Rob. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. That was like one of the nicest intros I've ever had coming onto a show before. Most of the time it's, it's, hey, can you tell everybody what you do? But like Trey's prepped and I love it. Man, it was, it was so fun. Like, because I mean, we've known each other for a while and I've just, I mean, you know, you're a constant, I see all the things that you work on, but sitting down to prep for this podcast and, and really come through, it's like, man, you wear so many different hats. It's you're right. I'm a man of very little free time, (laughs) but I guess I kind of wouldn't want it any other way either. So something Trey and I talk about off pod, you know, somewhat jokingly is like, Hey, I can't wait to have our next podcast. And just thinking about the work that goes into this one and how much to do in a second one. I don't know how you do it. It's not easy. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's, it's nice that, like I get breaks from one to do another and having more than one at one time is very, very difficult, but managing like an entire podcast network, I'm doing very little of my own content right now. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of like helping other people make theirs. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, like I said, you, you have the geek generation network and the website. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to use this time a little bit to talk about how did that start for you and you know, all the things that you do with that platform. Yeah, sure. So I started it in December of 2009, which is insane to think about. I didn't start podcasting, though, until that following summer in 2010. And it all was like I had lost my job at the time. And instead of being like, well, I can sit around and collect unemployment. Uh, I was like, I'm going to put my time to use and maybe make the job that I've always wanted because no one's going to do it for me. So I made the website. I started doing a podcast. Uh, it was a few years of doing the Geek Generation proper, which was the original podcast before starting Random Movie Club, mm-hmm. which was the second one. And then once I got on Twitch and met more content creators and was kind of seen as like the podcasting guy around that group, invited more and more people together, uh, more shows launched out of that. And now we're up to 10 different shows with various different content creators hosting them all on the network. Wow, that's great. That's amazing. Going back to what Jude said, like thinking back about how we always want to start one, hearing 10 just stressed me out, man. I don't know how you do it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just curious, do you like, do you miss the being on, you know, I guess the mic side of the podcast or is the producer side really kind of what, what you like the most? Nothing beats being on the mic and it's, it's not for lack of wanting to, it's definitely for lack of time. Mm -hmm. Um, so many of the shows that we're doing right now are doing very, very well with their current lineups and everything. And I have some projects planned. Uh, one of them is been put off a little bit. Uh, one we're just waiting for. So a past guest of yours, Katie Peters plays that was on, Mm -hmm. uh, her and I host a podcast called quantum drive, which is all about the TV show, the Orville. The only reason we're taking a break from that right now is we're all caught up on the show. They're filming season three, which got pushed back for a little bit. 
And we're just waiting for that season to come out before we jump back into that show. So things like that have kind of delayed me too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one I've heard about. I have a lot of friends that are Trekkies and I, and they enjoy it. I have not seen that one yet. Absolutely. Check it out. Know that from the beginning, it starts off very family guy, like potty humor type stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you like Star Trek at all, it does start to take itself more seriously as it goes on. It's almost like Seth MacFarlane tricked the network into letting him make a Star Trek show by starting it off like Family Guy in space, but then, haha, <laughs> look at what I'm making. <laughs> nice. Oh, well, it's kind of like, uh, what is it, Kirkman, the guy who did uh, the Walking Dead comic? Sure, yeah, Robert Kirkman. Yeah, like so his initial pitch was like, the zo- you're going to find out it was some alien invasion or something, and so that's how Image Comics picked it up. And then after a few episodes, he never intended to do that. After a few episodes, they started asking him about it. He's like, no, that was just to get y'all to get it. It was always oh, wow. just zombie apocalypse. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's very clever. So in addition to podcasting, uh, you've got the Twitch side of the, the geek generation as well. How we have do. you integrated that with everything that you're doing too? Yeah. So for a while, the, the geek generation Twitch channel was mine. And mine alone mm-hmm. uh in recent months i'd say i don't know it's been at least six months or so uh i have left the geek not left the geek generation channel that's not accurate uh we've expanded the geek generation channel so now it is our stream teams channel because we've started doing that as well i have bumped off onto my own at the rob logan is my personal twitch channel now and now we're using the uh the geek generation channel for our stream team we run events over there we have different casters from the team going on and showing off new indie games. And we are currently developing a whole uh, set of shows that we can have on a weekly basis, kind of like our podcast network does, but do something different and gear it towards Twitch as well, but also like integrate the podcasts into that. That's really awesome, man. Uh, but of course, we are here to discuss WandaVision. But before we get to that, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to, you know, tell the listeners what has been your relationship to the MCU and Marvel. So I will admit, I have always been a DC guy when it comes to the comics and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Batman is my jam for anyone who knows me. Uh, I even have a kitten that I, I have a nine month old kitten right now who's all black and is named Gotham. He's adorable. I have a confession to make. Yeah. I have been seeing your tweets, and for the longest time, I thought you were talking about Gotham the show, and because like I was only brief, <laughs> briefly reading it, I was like, "This is a really weird TV show," and it finally clicks. Like, no, Gotham is the name of this cat. Yeah, yeah, they are funnier if you read them in a different context, though. That's for sure. I look very clever. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I, I was always primarily a DC guy when it came to the comics. I love the Nolan movies. Mm-hmm. I will admit very much so that the DCEU is struggling aside from like the first Wonder Woman mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much abysmal. Mm-hmm. I have been on board with the MCU from the very beginning. Unlike a lot of people, Iron Man was a familiar character to me. I didn't like deep dive on him or anything, but I watched right. the cartoon in the 90s and all that stuff. Oh, okay. And uh, I have watched everything in the MCU canon, including Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter in their entirety. However, I will say I did bail on Inhumans after the first episode, (laughs) but if you could make it through that, you are the most hardcore MCU fan, and I don't know. I I just don't know how to feel about that. I I have to admit that I'm not hardcore. I have not seen Inhumans, (laughs) and knowing about it and knowing that it's all on Disney Plus, I have not gone back to it. 
Don't bother. Uh, Don't bother. See, this is how far removed from I am of being hardcore. I didn't even know it was on Disney Plus. <laughs> I have no intentions of watching it. I think they tuck it into like a secret folder because they don't want anyone else to know about it either. For the stuff that they don't put on there, I'm surprised that got that got that made it. I know, right? Well, they probably just had access. That's all. No yeah. legal loopholes. Well, I mean, when I even think about the X Men Fox universe shows not yeah yeah the last stand's not on there and i know it's not everybody's favorite but the inhumans over that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the last stand is better i know <laughs> and i haven't seen it and i know so yeah no and i haven't finished um i almost said age of ultron i haven't finished agents of shield god which i think the last season for me was the one where they split it where the first half they were in space okay so yeah. that's probably like six, if I were to guess. Yeah, I believe I so, because so, that was right around where I stopped too. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. That's uh, that's really cool. Like I said, we are here to talk about WandaVision Season 1, Episode 8, titled Previously On. So as we've been doing with all the other episodes, uh, we're going to take some time to talk about pre-spoiler thoughts before we jump into the spoilers. So uh, with that being said, Rob, do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts? Yeah, so I think... There's a couple things about this episode that are obviously very different than we've seen up to this point. Uh, this was the most probably straightforward episode that we've gotten, much more straight narrative without jumping around or anything. I mean, mm -hmm. jumping around, but we're kind of sticking with a certain smaller group of characters. Mm -hmm. right. uh, and if anything, this one was less analytical and more emotional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, that is. Um, I For me, I feel like it, it, well, it answered a question. What were they going to do about the sitcom genre? And it makes sense. Mm. They went away from that. You know, I, I feel like that's okay in the pre-spoiler zone. <laughs> and the other thing, it was interesting because it felt like a monologue. And I'll leave it at that till we get to the other side. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah. For me, um, as far as I'm concerned, this episode feels like a magic trick. Um, I think it took the shortcomings of the storytelling in the MCU and expanded on a way, expanded on it in a way that felt genuine to the characters, even though I felt subconsciously primed to be upset for them to tell the story this way. Um, that'll be something easier to expand on once we get into spoilers. <laughs> but for for it feels like it could have been lazy writing the way they did it, but I think the way they zoned in on certain moments and the connective tissues of those emotions really helped sell this episode for me. Mm. Mm -hmm. Just to put a pin on that thought in general, like I've been talking about how the show is going to break our hearts and I, I feel like we're here. <laughs> this was, this was a very hard episode for me. It really was. Yes. It, yeah. Like I said, definitely the most emotional one. And again, can't really get into the specifics just now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, if you were waiting for something to hit you right in the heart, this one will do it for you. Yeah. Let's go ahead and jump into those specifics. So like I said, you're going to hear an audio cue. And on the other side, we're going to be in the full on spoiler zone. See you on the other side. So. If you've been listening, you know we're going to be dividing this up into the most important topics of the episode. And as Rob addressed, this does feel like it was kind of a straightforward. So uh, the most natural starting point is Agatha's origins. And to kind of just group this together, this is kind of taking place during those, the, the Salem in the past and the bit of monologuing that Agatha has with Wanda before we begin. Just to start off, I, I honestly love 
the it almost feels like a, a flip on kind of like those Salem witch trials where mm. instead of, you know, everybody attacking Agatha for being the witch, it was other witches that were attacking her for apparently delving into dark magic. And I thought that was a fun way to kind of jump us in. Yeah, I definitely felt like they were getting ready to string her up. And it wasn't until you saw the almost like mystic handcuffs get slapped on. Yeah. That you were like, oh, okay, so she's on trial by other witches, and now they're asking her if she's a witch? This is interesting. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Doctor Strange. Uh, just that whole idea, like, you've practiced dark magic, reminded me of Mordu, mm. and this this problem of, well, at the end, that too many sorcerers, but this whole idea of what you should use the magic for, you know, and, and not to mess with nature. It was interesting because it kind of spun the expectations of what we you know traditionally think of with salem salem witch trials but it also had this weird moral code so like very on we associate right or wrong witches with bad or evil stuff and she's violated their code so you get a really good sense of where she's at yeah and uh salem side note i live in massachusetts and i've actually been to salem massachusetts on halloween night Mm-hmm. Would not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a story. <laughs> it's just, it's everyone wants to go to Salem on Halloween night and literally in the streets. You might think about like how tight a nightclub gets shoulder to shoulders <laughs> in the streets. It's insanity. It's not fun. <laughs> and you know what? Next Halloween, you're going to have people walking around like Scarlet Witch and Wanda and Tommy this is and Billy. true. It's true. <laughs> Run around yelling, release hell, demon spawns. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where we need to have the first MC need to know convention. Let's just go, go for Halloween. There it is. <laughs> um, you know, another thing that I wanted to kind of zone in on here, and I think this speaks to Catherine Hahn as just the incredible actress that she's been this entire season, even though. I mean, because they were plainly stating, you know, you're practicing dark magic. You were studying things you're not supposed to. I still couldn't get a definitive read of, is this something that's happening to her? Or is this something that she's doing? Because of the subtle changes on her face where she really did look Mm -hmm. genuinely scared. Mm -hmm. And then she seemingly drains the power of the entire coven. And then it's just kind of like this smug, like, yeah, I did that look on her face. Again... I feel like we've been stinking the praises all season, but it's most definitely deserved. Catherine Hahn is amazing. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. we'll get into it more as we go on, but I'm loving the gray area of Agatha. Yes. Yeah. I think they set it up really well here because I had the same thing where she's like, I can't control it. But I don't know. For me, I got the sense that, well, she was in control this whole time. Mm-hmm. Well, especially even just the way she was able to free herself. It was like she knew that, or she set them up and knowing that my goal was to drain their life force, which for me, that kind of lends into like what she's been doing this whole time with uh, Wanda. Yeah, that, that would make sense because we, we did spotlight in the previous episode this idea of Agatha feeding on Wanda's powers and maybe some of that insecurity. And so right here, they are showing us directly she can do that. So, But another thing that you you said, and I think that kind of moves us along a little bit, is kind of her pleading to be taught. 
you know, if if we take her at face value and she's saying like, OK, yes, I'm scared. Teach me. I like this parallel that they're kind of setting up with Agatha and Wanda, where whenever we kind of have that villain monologuing where Agatha's explaining to Wanda like, oh, you know, these are basic ruins. You don't know this. It's kind mm. of setting up mm-hmm. that mentor feel. And mm-hmm. so. Clearly, Agatha's a bad teacher because she rustles her up a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do like that there is that we can draw parallels between those fears if we can believe Agatha. Yeah, it's interesting. I can't fully understand whether she's telling us the truth or not. Because like you said, Catherine Hahn's doing such a phenomenal job when she's up on that stake. I don't know if she's in survival mode and saying anything she can to just stay alive or if she's really sincere about like, I really can't control this and mm-hmm. I need someone to help me. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because even right there, you know, Trey said it and, you know, Rob, you were saying this here and I just kind of echo both of those. When you get, again, part of this whole origin and we get back to her conversations with Wanda, it was almost like she was sh- showing off the things she knew. It's not just like, oh, you didn't recognize the runes, you know, the basic stuff. but showing off i know how to do this i know how to do that when clearly we see at one place she didn't know she was like hey let me you know please teach me so in this way it almost wonder if what she sees in wanda is like herself like there's i had this raw talent and nobody would teach me and now i see all this raw talent in wanda oh that's interesting yeah and so she's trying to show like hey i'm i'm gonna do for you what they wouldn't didn't do for me all those years ago I like that. That that's a really good read, specifically because there there is almost a sense of jealousy too. Mm-hmm. So if you are taking this like you were like me with this raw power, no one's there to teach you, and even even though you don't have this teaching, you can do all these things. Because she was like, you're pulling. I believe is in the scene. You know, you're pulling, uh, controlling from miles away, and I can only do mm-hmm. it. You know, here. That that felt like pure jealousy on Agatha's part, even if there is an underlying wanting to have that mentorship. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also want to say, Trey, I have a note that your decomposition theory is was right. Uh huh. You mentioned that you couldn't, they couldn't have used the real Pietro because his body <laughs> would be too decomposed. And she mentioned it was a different continent, I believe, but still, or a different country, or or whatever. But but I'll give you points for that one. So necromancy wasn't the limits, only geography. <laughs> <laughs> she would have done it if she could have. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and drop the act here. I'm going to take as many you were right as I can because we're leading to a point where I'm going to have to admit that I wasn't right. So I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I'm going to claim I was right about a lot of things and no one can say differently because there's no record of it. <laughs> That's that's the best way to go. That's the best way to go. (laughs) Oh, I love it. So like we said, Agatha's kind of in this mentorship where she's she is trying to offer that help to Wanda. But the underlying goal is wanting to understand how Wanda did this. So the way that they do this is they go through a series of Wanda's past and learn more context than what we've known in the MCU so far. So the next important topic we've entitled The Bomb which brings us to the moment that Wanda and her brother and her family, well, her family were taken out by the Stark bomb. Okay. So I have a question. Either one of you pause it and kind of look through the trunk and see what DVDs were there. 
<laughs> I didn't pause it, but I definitely did, did. A, a deeper look at it on my second watch through. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah, I didn't okay. have time. Was Did you get to do it? Yes, actually. I On mine, I paused. I was like, oh, look, there's the Adams Family. I love Loosely. Who's the boss? Uh, Bewitch. Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, I think I missed one, but that was in the trunk. Oh, I'm man. glad that they gave us an explanation for that, because one of my biggest lingering questions up to this point is why the sitcom presentation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and especially like the when she chose that Dick Van Dyke and the parts of the episode we saw were basically straight out of episodes one and two mm-hmm. of WandaVision, you know, uh, not identical, but well, the bedroom ones were almost identical. Actually, just the way it was shot and acted and, and stuff. And, and so so I really appreciated having that like that is like a favorite of hers and like mm-hmm. stuck in her memory. And so it makes sense. I think this is what we would get. Yeah. So, you know, I was talking about it in the pre-spoiler thoughts about how, as far as I'm concerned, this show pulled a magic trick because we talked about it last week, Jude, where I said one of the shortcomings of the MCU in general is that, you know, telling us and not showing us. And so as much as they've been drawing on that love of sitcoms, like clearly somebody loved it enough to have these homages in the show. And we really hadn't seen it from Wanda. I was ready for this show to kind of have some sort of flashback where we would see that and it would feel shoehorned to me. But this show somehow pulled it off in a way that felt genuine to the characters And I think it is because they focused on that family dynamic of how they were all situated on that TV and having a good time. And to have it juxtaposed to like, oh, like, like, uh, to be honest, I like for a moment, I forgot what was what was happening. And so when that bomb Mm -hmm. dropped and you just see the kids launch across the screen, it, it, it was like it solidified how horrifying that was for me, even though they were able to make me believe in the fairy tale for just a moment. Yeah. Uh, again, no one can check my theory on this because there's no proof or anything, but I will say <laughs> that this this somewhat lined up with a theory that I had where the sitcom presentation, everyone was like, well, why would she be seeing things from like the 50s and the 60s and stuff? And my thought was like, well, Sokovia is kind of like a third world country mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sometimes media travels slower to yeah. like other parts of the world. So maybe they were getting reruns of stuff from that era and then as she moved over to the U.S., she was seeing the more modern stuff and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, they went a slightly different route with it. But I still feel like, OK, I kind of had the right idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think you're I think you can call that a win. You had the right idea on that one. I'll take it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, because I mean, because the whole setup, I mean, the, the feeling I got from and I'm not even sure, like from the first or the second watch, it seemed like he got those DVDs recently. Because, you know, her, her mom looked at him and his response was, I'll sell him in the morning. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so I couldn't figure out if, like, that was something he, he was doing to try to make money, like selling these. Or, and he, and he shouldn't have had them. Or if he bought them and shouldn't have had them. Like, I don't know. I couldn't quite place that. Uh, but it definitely, I, I think you're, you're on to something in terms of the way uh, media travels, you mm. know, to, to, other, to other countries. In that way, I really liked though that we kind of got that explanation to that first commercial, you know, that clear connection, you know. But what I couldn't figure out was 
was that like it said in Age of Ultron and like she remembered it a dud or was it what Agatha said and that Wanda kept it from exploding because she reached her hand out and so I couldn't I'm not sure how which way they wanted me to take that. They also very cleverly cut it right away before yeah. we got a very clear answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So which which way do you think which way do you think it went? For me, I think it's what Agatha said that it was probably a probability hex. I think they're implying and and I have more about this as we go on, but I think they're implying that Wanda has some sort of latent powers or magic and has had them all along. And like mm-hmm. she does mm-hmm. say a little bit later, they needed to be woken up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so funny uh, just to give you an idea of where I'm at and how I interpret these scenes. You know, I, I took this one at face value of Agatha saying like, oh, you know, here's a little witch who used their powers and they didn't realize what they were doing at the time. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I like that they're bringing in this latent abilities for Wanda. And we'll get to a moment at the end where it's like, no, that feels like Agatha's feeding the line for Wanda. But it's funny to me where I will accept and not accept <laughs> Agatha's reasoning. <laughs> but. Coming back to this moment, something that I like, because, I, you know, I've mentioned before, I'm not really big into the comics. Like, I only have a surface level understanding. But one of the things that I remember is I was listening to a podcast right around the time Age of Ultron had came out. And one of the hosts was, like, really into the comics. And he was talking about how disappointed he was, how it felt like Wanda's powers were just wandered down. Watered down. I said wandered down. <laughs> watered down. Uh, just for the simplicity of like, okay, this person's a telekinetic, like that's easy for the audiences to get. Mm-hmm. And he went into depth about how, you know, her power is more intricate and about the probability and stuff like that. So I, I love this because it felt like another one of those brilliant ways that the MCU works in that comic book stuff that feels so natural. Um, which again, because this being a series, they have a lot more room to flesh out that stuff but it feels so natural to the story they're telling and i and i thought that was a really well done touch i think we've seen a clear evolution of wanda's powers too and i give them credit for that so like even though they started with her power down and i know some people are upset about that you can't come right out of the gate with like this incredibly powerful being because then where's the storytelling mm-hmm. right so like if you start with her power down and we've seen her from movie to movie level up and then all of a sudden we're in here and she's like, okay, boom, next level. Like that's way more interesting than what they could have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and you're right. And they, the MCU does a really good job of that. Um, another example would be, uh, it, it's, it's funny to me to think about it now, but you have Thor when he goes up to the top of what the Empire State Building and reaches up the hammer and and has the the lightning for the bottleneck mm. to when he shows up in Wakanda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. two very different power levels there. Yeah, because I was rewatching because I I frequently keep the MCU movies on in the background while I'm editing, and it was on the Avengers, and I just shot you a text. I was like, dude, it's it's weird how quite Thor feels in that first <laughs> Avengers movie. <laughs> So, yeah, I think that that's a great observation about the evolution of the powers. Mm -hmm. So now, Rob, at the very beginning, you mentioned how you felt this episode was more emotional. Mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons why this episode was able to, like, 
it sucked me into it, Trey into it in there. And like, like we knew what was coming age of Ultron. And, and that explosion was jarring for me. Right. It was scary. Yeah. But the way they transitioned into it, where they were calling for Wanda and Wanda had to step in. And then we transitioned to her as a child Mm. instead of, you know, kind of watching along. She's actually reliving this. Um, and I think doing it that way really helped uh, with those emotional swings uh, here and through the rest of them. Yeah, definitely. She wasn't just like a passive observer in this scene. She is in some of them, but in this one, she really needed to be involved. And having having that that little actress, by the way, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the one who played mm-hmm. Wanda sitting there in like this pure moment of joy and being forcibly viscerally ripped from it for the extreme opposite when that bomb went off that was a brutal shot man like yeah yeah i mean i've seen action movies before but there was just something i mean i guess because it's kids absolutely brutal Mm -hmm. well and just it had like this flash of light it goes dark the rubble like it just it was so well done you know like you said for seeing Violent things before, war movies before. It's interesting because it really set the tone for a walk through her trauma. Mm-hmm. I do wonder, too, speaking of trauma, if they clearly didn't show her parents and didn't show her parents dead. And I'm wondering if that was more a concern of the rating of the show or if it was Wanda's buried this part, like the sight of her dead parents, so deep that even in this exploration of her memories, it still doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, that's... I'm going to go know, with that. Yeah, I like that more than just be like, oh, the, the <laughs> yeah. rating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going with that one. <laughs> Head cannon. <laughs> uh, th- this might be just a momentary lapse on my part, but I want to make sure that we we get the the on the record. Jude, did you say where you stood on whether or not Wanda had those latent abilities or if that was Agatha feeding that line? Uh, oh, I didn't. Um... Just for the record. Yeah, I I was on the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think on the second watch, I went with she had that latent ability. But I went that way not because of this scene, but because of the next. Gotcha. Okay. If, if, that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's I'm kind of on board with you. I, I held it back a little bit until we get there. But yeah. yes, I'm on that yeah. same exact frame. Yeah, because okay. it just they had that, and again, it was it was jarring for me. And you know, you're you're seeing her reach out, and just to get yanked back, uh, and the transition back to adult Wanda, um, really showed how much how engrossed I got in the scene, uh, and how jarring that was. But it, but I think it was the next scene that really sold it for me. All right, well, on that, let's go ahead and transition into that next scene, which is our next important topic, uh, entitled The Test. Uh, This centers around them going back to Hydra, experimenting on them, specifically Wanda's interaction with the Scepter and the Mind Stone, um, and we get to see how she had a reaction to the Mind Stone that seemingly had a silhouette of a very familiar image of Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. Scarlet Witch. Mm -hmm. Loved that, by the way. Again, it's more of that work that Marvel's so good at where we had the tongue in cheek Halloween costume of like, oh, this is what it looked like in the comics. And now we're getting the more quote unquote traditional 
costume of like what it would be. And this is the MCU's interpretation, as far as I can tell in the quick silhouette shot that we yeah, got. Yeah. But it feels more realistic, mm-hmm. which is cool. It also feels like that's the direction they're going. Like we're going to get Wanda in a modern version of her classic suit. Yeah, I think so. And that's the thing, like to get out of this episode for a second, with the Halloween episode, they did such a good job of giving us the comic accurate suits and showing us a ridiculousness to it. Mm-hmm. But even through the MCU, especially compared to like say the the Fox movies, they have given us fairly decent comic suits, but a very believable way. Yeah. You know, I think Hawkeye is the only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd say leave his alone. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I say he's he's. But otherwise, like we've gotten fairly good. I mean, I mean, Captain America's suit still the red, white, and blue stripes. They they did a similar thing, kind of showed kind of the ridiculousness of it in the montage. But then every other one, it's like, oh, that's just Cap's suit, you know. Mm-hmm. And they even did a workaround with Hawkeye too, because isn't that his Ultimate's costume? It is. It More is more or less. Yeah. Costume. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I just, so so I think you're right. I think we're building towards that and going to get that at some point. I would love to see him because they've already set the precedent. They showed us the Halloween costume. Uh-huh. So now that like visual exists within the universe, they could have her create that suit as a tribute to Vision in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when, okay, so go back to that first scene with, I almost said Agnes, Agatha. And I guess her mom, right, before she drained her life force, and she was wearing this bluish crown. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's what we're going to get. Maybe kind of this reddish magic crown that's that's similar to the comic accurate style, but it's going to mm. be more of that chaos magic. Yeah, I can see him having like having them form the crown and then have mm-hmm. her form it into a physical form mm-hmm. from that point mm-hmm. and being like, okay, cool, got this mm-hmm. thing now. And you know, and just to connect the two, because Rob, you were talking about how using the, the Halloween costume as some sort of tribute to vision, just kind of like a keepsake. Mm. If we're continuing to draw parallels between Agatha and Wanda, you know, Agatha takes that brooch of her mother's as a yeah. keepsake and that becomes mm-hmm. part of her her costume, so to speak, even though it's mm-hmm. not technically, but you know, I they're they're already laying that groundwork, so it it would be an easy jump for them to to have that connective tissue. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Now going back to the scene, I do find it interesting. Wanda's first reaction, where the door even opened, is I don't want to go in there. So for his jarring, or I guess for his jarring, maybe it's when she realized what was happening after reliving this with her p- parents. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, I don't want to relive this again, you know, which was really striking to me of like, this is where you got your power. And it was so, I guess, traumatic. I mean, as far as we know, she volunteered, Yeah. Uh, but it was, and, it, and it's kind of driven her life since, um, but it's not something she wants to relive. There had to be some experiments prior to what we saw that were more brutal because yeah. I can't imagine that that particular instance like it didn't seem that bad Mm -hmm. right from what we saw but clearly there was some trauma there well because like one of the things that they're doing that i love is that agatha has become this surrogate not only for like wanda's trip through this therapeutic experience Mm -hmm. but agatha's a a surrogate for the audience's skepticism like we already saw how they Mm -hmm. did that with 
you know, I've seen people complain. It's like, really, they just stayed there for two days with a bomb. Like, that doesn't make sense. You know, mm-hmm. now we've seen that, you know, readdressed. Now uh, we're here with, oh, you know, Wanda joined Hydra. Where's the reasoning in that? Agatha has that line where she's like, okay, so you witnessed your parents be murdered and your first step was to join a terrorist group. Mm-hmm. And so Wanda has that line where she was like, we wanted to change the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's a feeling of like being naive in there. And so I think you're right in that there's more extreme stuff that was done to her because the resignation of Wanda delivering that line juxtaposed to just how like she looked drained walking into that testing subject. Like her eyes were very hollow. She was in drags. It was like she looked emotionally gone. And so I think you're right in that there has to be more that we just didn't see. We just got the most pertinent part that we needed for this episode. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things, again, it's weird. There's a lot, I guess, here that I didn't realize in the beginning. So I'm assuming, (laughs) uh, same for Pietro. I'm assuming the same thing, right? Because this is where Pietro got his powers. And I do find it interesting here where, and, and I'm curious where they're taking this. Like, is Pietro and Wanda the first, so to speak, mutants? Mm-hmm. I am so glad you brought this up. <laughs> you know, well, because you have you have this, like, in some ways I can take this episode as she had this abilities and this enhanced it, you know, using Agatha's words. Mm-hmm. But if I read it as she got the abilities from the stone, you know, it, it obviously chose them for some reason. I mean, that kind of walks down the inhuman lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and which I, I'm really curious now of how they're going to handle mutants, knowing the Inhumans are coming um, and not just, you know, like, oh, they're going to make a show or whatever. I mean, Miss Marvel, they're in production. She's an Inhuman. She's not a mutant. True. You know, and so how is the MCU going to handle that versus the way, say, Fox did it, where it's just like the comic, you're mutants, you know, there's a mutation, so to speak. I wonder if we are going to get confirmation on the Pietro side of this, because, you know, obviously this is a very Wanda centered show, but were there instances where Pietro uh, exhibited super speed before it got to that moment with the Mind Stone? Um, it, it, I'd be really curious to see, because I think that would help us be able to form this idea of, of the mutants or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pietro is the, the 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 neighborhood track star. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's just really speedy, like nothing crazy, but he's like slightly faster than everybody else, just a little bit. So in this scene, in this scene, there's the line where one of the scientists says, "Not one subject has survived direct contact." Mm-hmm. And prior to this episode, I had the theory again can't check me on it but i'm just telling you uh i know right so far you're batting a thousand <laughs> there was some stuff i was wrong about i can talk about that later but i did have a theory going into this that the only reason that they survived this and my theory was that maybe they were the only ones that did there were a lot of subjects prior to this and i had no precedent for this they didn't tell us there were other subjects uh prior to this episode but my thought was that yeah maybe they were the only ones that survived this because they were mutants. They could completely use this mm-hmm. as a way 
to retcon the existence of mutants into the MCU. Not saying that the stone created them to be mutants, but they had the latent ability. We don't know how old Wanda is in this particular scene. I imagine even though she looks very much like her modern self, she's on the younger side of things. So if we think about Mm -hmm. the way mutation generally works, it tends to surface in puberty. Granted, she's probably already at that point, but I can't think of it as being like she just had magical ability because that doesn't answer Pietro's side of it. Like his abilities don't seem magical. They might be, but I would have never chalked them up as such. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with you on that. And it makes me wonder if not when you mentioned about the retcon, I don't think this is lazy writing to do it this way. Um, And I think every MCU fan would be happy with it. The ramifications of the snap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wouldn't say Thanos's. I would say when they returned, you know, with Hulk. Yeah, they could absolutely do it that way. And like you said, with puberty and having that latent ability enhanced or whatever, because again, Pietro had speed. That's not magic. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a really good distinction. Like I, I, I didn't internalize that thinking about it, but yeah, you're completely right about how that's distinct abilities back to this idea of what you were talking about, Jude with the snap, you know, look no further than Endgame, where rocket says, you know, Thanos snapped twice and it's, it's sent a shockwave across Mm -hmm. the the earth. Mm -hmm. You know, we already have it built in. Um, and this is another one of those examples where I was saying, as far as I'm concerned, this episode pulled a magic trick for me because I've talked about it before, how I'm not the biggest fan of retconning, but this could be a way for that quote unquote retconning that feels like the work's been done well. And I like, yeah, generally I'm not a huge fan of retconning either, but, I understand their rationale for it. They just didn't have access to it mm-hmm. before. So when we first saw right. Pietro and Wando show up, they literally were not allowed to say the word mutant. So if yeah. if right. the way that they need to get it in is to go back and kind of fill in the hole of something that they just left out, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. yeah. So I, while we're on this, I'm going to go ahead and derail this for a second. Uh, <laughs> is Peter Parker in Iron Man 2? I was going to ask the same thing, but I thought, oh, maybe we should just keep going. <laughs> uh, so that particular retcon is fun. I don't necessarily buy it. <laughs> okay, that feels like a middle of the road answer between me and Jude. So that's good. I'm, I, I dislike yeah. it a lot. I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> is this where I say Team Peter Cap? Always is this there. where I say Team Cap? <gasps> it's true, by the way, Team Cap. Oh, I love it. Uh, <laughs> we Okay, we actually got to do some real work on getting some Team Stark representation on this podcast, because I feel bad. Like, uh, I don't know if you got into it yet, uh, Rob, but there was a stint where Jude had to take a little bit of a break on the podcast, and I unintentionally booked all Captain America <laughs> I did hear one of those episodes, which is why I just I had to bring it up now, just to make sure. Yes. Unintentionally. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, in, in fairness, it, this has to do with Civil War. You know, I, I still, Spider-Man's my guy, but when it comes to Civil War, it's Team Stark. One day we'll get to that movie, and it's going to be a fun day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Jumping back into to WandaVision, one of the last things that I, I want to touch on, which 
you know, we might have to put a pin on it and come back to it once we get to some of the bigger revelations this episode. But, you know, we talked about this silhouette of the Scarlet Witch that Wanda sees when the stone interacts with her. The thing that I am trying to, you know, grapple with is at this point, Wanda has no idea of what, like, the Scarlet mm. Witch is. Like, that lore is mm-hmm. lost to her. Mm-hmm. So, the thing that I'm left wondering with in the scene is, is there some sort of interconnectivity with the witches and the Scarlet Witch and the Infinity Stones? Or was this, like, I'm trying to figure out how that stone projects that to Wanda because Wanda wouldn't have had that sure. knowledge. And mm-hmm. I don't, as I mean, I've correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if we've seen the Mind Stone behave in the way that it's behaved in this particular scene because... From Wanda's perspective, we see her like have that moment where it's a rush of power and then she's on the ground. But seemingly for everybody else, she's standing and then the next second she's flat on the ground. And so I'm trying to wonder if maybe there is some sort of uh, groundwork that they're doing of whatever this lore is with the Scarlet Witch being a little bit more closely in line with the Infinity Stones than we know so far. Certainly possible. The only thing that comes to mind for me is that there is an ability for witches to have like visions of the future. They do Mm -hmm. have a certain foresight, uh, at least canonically within the Marvel comics and stuff. So I kind of chalked it Mm -hmm. up to that. Mm-hmm. but that would also i don't know it's it's tough to explain because i think like even though i'm saying they're both mutants i feel like wanda is also a witch and has magical powers on top of that so like she's next mm-hmm. level compared to pietro and mm-hmm. i guess yeah i'm i'm dancing around it just trying to wrap my brain around it too so yeah it's it's an interesting thing yeah well and it's interesting because in the in the comics agatha as i, as I understand it is considered a witch yeah. mm-hmm. not a mutant I believe, yeah, that is true. So yeah. Wanda's like new so, game plus. <laughs> she's got, she's got, yeah. <laughs> she's got the mutant yeah. ability and the witch ability. <laughs> Heck yeah! Oh man, you know, but and but they are wrapping, like you said, this this Scarlet Witch mythology, uh, or well, they are taking the Scarlet Witch and turning it into a mythology. Let's put it that way. That it's you know from Agatha's perspective that they knew about the witches knew about yeah. so to speak it makes me wonder is the mind stone is it as a witch she can you know didn't realize we can kind of see into the future a little bit or did the mind stone know that and and read her mind or have this kind of connection to know oh this is who this person is but again i think it still leaves mm-hmm. us with a pietro problem yeah as we've been doing i guess that's something we'll keep a, a read on as we progress because we still got one more episode left which is going to be like three hours long, right? Because they have to. They got a lot of work to do still, yeah. it feels like. You know what? I got a text from a friend at work. Another one, not one that I've mentioned on the show before. And he was just like, mm-hmm. this, ha- this, this next one better be an hour. They got a lot to do. Yeah, I think because mm-hmm. I'll, I'll browse like the, the subreddit after the episode. And I think one of the first comments was, nobody can convince me that that was 46 minutes if they tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it is. Well, I guess they're technically right, but yeah. (laughs) It did feel shorter than last week, though. 
Yeah. You know that it's so it's so funny because for me, my perception, like I didn't feel like a lot of these episodes, it ends and I feel like, oh man, I that was way too soon. This one felt like the appropriate length for me because it mm. is a little bit more in traditional, like, you know, forty three to forty five minute length. But um yeah. Maybe it was because I was wrong at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Uh, coming back to, to WandaVision, I think that's going to wrap it up for that section. Um, we're going to move on to the next scene, which we've entitled The Grief. Essentially, this is going to encapsulate that moment where Agatha and Wanda go back to, I believe, right after Age of Ultron, where Wanda's in her room at the Avengers headquarters. Uh, Vision enters in, and we get to see her finally in the MCU process the grief of losing her brother in Age of Ultron. So and I was going to say, they had Malcolm in the middle playing. That's what she was watching. To me, this is the saddest part of the entire episode. We have canonical confirmation that Brian Cranston exists in the MCU and cannot be <laughs> <laughs> ever casted, unfortunately. <laughs> that They have prosthetics. They have CGI. There's lots of options. I think at one point uh, he wanted to be Mr. Sinister in the X-Men universe. Ooh. Oh, don't I, I tease me I think he was like, that, lobbying please. for it at one point. That'd be so good. I love Mr. Sinister. One of my favorite villains. Anything to get Brian Cranston in the MCU. Well, I shouldn't say anything because technically we got that, but anything <laughs> else to get Brian Cranston, I would love to see him. Man, he would just chew up being a villain at some oh, point. Oh, yeah. Totally. But, you know, uh, jumping back to the the episode, well, not the Malcolm Middle, but the episode itself, Vision seriously gets the best lines. I think he had the one in Age of Ultron about a thing's not beautiful because it lasts. Mm -hmm. And then here, this hit me the hardest, I think, whereas where he said, what is grief if not love persevering? And what like mm. there's just some lines that, you know, that is just the theme of the entire show. And this was yeah. definitely one of yeah. those. Yes. And where do I sign up to get my own vision, by the way, <laughs> just to like have someone to cheer me up throughout the day? like. Mm -hmm. perfect friend and one of the things i wanted to to kind of like figure out but i really couldn't is wanda almost felt like she sensed him because i think she goes vision and then he comes through and uh -huh. he's like oh i didn't know if you wanted yes. me or not and she goes well clearly you know you're here how i wondered what that connectivity between them two was uh unless it's just supposed to be intentionally vague well i was going to ask you was vision drawn to her because of the mind stone hmm that's an interesting thing. Like maybe it's a weird consideration. Like clearly they have a connection that became romantic, but is part of that relationship based on a draw that neither of them are aware of. Mm -hmm. It's purely that energy that yeah. connects them. Well, I say, cause in civil war, they have those, that line where he's trying to cook for. Right. And she's like, I don't know what this is. And he touches the mm -hmm. mice on his forehead and I'm not sure what this is. So they clearly, had that in common and that to talk about. Um, mm -hmm. But that whole idea of like her sensing him, because it, to me, I, I felt like, like there was almost an element of creepy. Like, was he like halfway through the <laughs> wall, but stopped? And it, you know, it, it just, it, there was this element of just being weird. Yeah. I can, I can see that. You know, thinking again about what you you were saying about like is Vision drawn to Wanda because of the Mind Stone and what we see in the previous scene, 
you know, I, I didn't write it down, but like, I remember just kind of thinking to myself, like, okay, this is the moment they meet, even though we don't see vision in the scene because it's just the mind stone. There was something about it. Like vision in the mind stone had become synonymous for me that it felt like that was their first meeting, but it does bring into that, that situation of like, uh, kind of what I think we were talking about last episode. Like, what does it mean for them to love each other if he doesn't have those memories? Like, it kind of gets into those existential questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, I think we get a little bit of an answer in this episode yeah. for that. Mm -hmm. A little bit. Not yet, but we will get it moving forward. Well, sticking... I think the thing that I, I walked away from this moment is... This is their meeting point. This is where they, you know, start this relationship, I think, because, you know, Vision is fresh off being quote unquote born, so to speak, in Age of Ultron. And mm -hmm. he's learning about social cues and mannerisms and dealing with kind of like, you know, these emotions. And Wanda's kind of going through a similar trajectory only because she's dealing with the trauma of losing Pietro. So I like that it is this coming together of like she's learning to express those emotions again he's learning what those emotions mean and that's the moment that they they connect together mm -hmm. and i like this as the genesis so much more yeah. than what they were doing in civil war because civil war felt in motion and this you really see that spark yeah absolutely well and i think you hit the nail on the head like she is that complete nothingness when vision starts i've always been alone they're, they're both alone so to speak um but have completely different experiences of it and his aloneness doesn't have the emotional weight because it's not out of like he said he doesn't feel the lack right like he he's never this is all he's ever known or ever experienced he's not experienced loss mm -hmm. and so they both have this feeling of being alone but from a very different places yeah that's such a, it's such a cool melting ground for them um, and I like the time. I like that they took the time to establish that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I again on this topic of how heartbreaking this episode is. There's there's plenty of gut punches, but I think one of the ones here is, you know, we've been tracking how traumatic Wanda's life has been uh, throughout the ways it's manifested in these episodes. But just hearing her flat out say, you know, it feels like a wave that just keeps coming and coming, and that I'm never going to get above it. And it's more, I mean, it's, it's a testament to Elizabeth Olsen's acting. I think that it, it, there is that resignation into it of, you know, everything is meaningless that it just, it, it broke my heart. Okay. So the morning routine for these WandaVision episodes, as we've uh -huh. talked about has been, okay, we get up early, watch it. And what's also morphed into it is neither one of us will say anything to each other. Until we both know we've seen it. And so Trey texts me and says, I've seen it. <laughs> and I text him back and say, I just finished it. And the first thing I get is this gif of a guy standing in an ocean getting knocked over by a wave over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, there's a part of me that like, I know I was taking the hardest route to defend, but like, I wanted to do it. Like I wanted to hold out until the last possible moment. And after this episode, it, it really was like, it just felt like I got washed away by the ocean. <laughs> well, and I, I tell you what, though, I, I really appreciated the gift because as, as I watched it, you know, you really get a sense of what Wanda was saying in the mm -hmm. sense of, and if anybody's ever been to the beach and just for fun and tried to fight off the waves, right? 
like it is exhausting, you know, and, yeah. and mm-hmm. you get back up and you get knocked down again, you get back up and get knocked down again. And it is exhausting. Um, and, and so it was such a good analogy of how she was feeling. Well, just to, to play off that a little bit, we've talked about it before in our Iron Man three review of them conjuring that imagery of Tony drowning in the suit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of times depression and anxiety is best illustrated from the outside perspective of that feeling of drowning, of whatever it is you just can't get over. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to have that just that imagery conjured up again here, I think it is fitting and more of a continuation of how powerful that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's imagery that's brought up a lot by people who suffer yeah. from depression. It's something they've talked about. Oh, it just feels like mm-hmm. I'm drowning. I can't get out. I'm I'm trying to swim as hard as I can, but the waves mm-hmm. are just throwing me back. Yeah, it's it's that expression, right? You can't fight the the tide. It's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, I've been dancing around it all podcasts. Like I fully recognize by the way that this ends that every every little stake in the sand that I was putting towards like I'm defending Wanda, she didn't do this, is pretty much gone. But on the like slimmest of chance that for whatever reason they pull a twist in episode nine and I am right, I think I wanted to point this out just for this. So I won't take up the whole podcast for it, but I'm going to put this up. Leading us in. <laughs> I'm sorry to all your friends, Jude. I know they text you about how I need to get off this. <laughs> can I can I walk up on this hill and plant my flag with you? I would love that. You? I would love company. I'm so alone. <laughs> So reason being so like you've been you've been giving yeah. it the name the orchestrator the entire time and uh after this episode i'm losing a little uh-huh. bit of hope for that but but i am like you in the stubbornness <laughs> of like i i set up camp up here and like i feel it would be disingenuous to leave yeah. home because I'm really comfy where I am. Smoking like a true cap fan. <laughs> yeah. And and if and if all else fails, we can say it wasn't done with malevolent intention. Even if it is all Wanda, we That's can really still good point. say that. Uh, it, they do make clear work of making sure that it is not malevolent. Also, just a quick correction. I, I don't want to throw this person under the bus. Like, there's three of us here. There's me, there's you, and there's Nick Sandy. I forgot to mention this. After we recorded last episode, like literally as I was walking out of my closet, I got a text from him that said, all right, make room on that grain of sand. I'm joining you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. so let me let me plant my flag one more time, possibly for the season. So I've been on this idea that it's not entirely Wanda. I cannot look at direct evidence and say that because we see how this episode ends. But I want to still zone in on this idea that, you know, Agatha is sitting there in that Avengers headquarter room talking to Wanda where she's like, you know, you were alone. You lost your brother. You lost vision. You had nobody. She says you wanted him back. Wanda repeats, I wanted him back. There's this feeling of Agatha mm-hmm. coaching her. Mm-hmm. She's putting those feelings. It could be mm-hmm. true, but they are being instigated by the words that Agatha is using. And we already know she has the ability to manipulate people, uh, specifically in that room where they said, your powers don't work except for the person who casted the room. Right. So if yep. they're going to, if, if my Hail Mary is going to come through in episode <laughs> nine, this is what we can look back on. Agatha is still placing that onus on Wanda, but 
you know, I can't fight visual evidence. So that's as, that's about as that's about as much muster as I'm gonna make. You know what? I've watched enough football to know that sometimes when it's clear and obvious on the instant replay, they still don't get it right. So. <laughs> Oh, so we'll 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 see. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, that's going to bring us to our last important topic, which we have entitled the explanation. Essentially, this takes us all the way through Wanda going through Sword, realizing what Sword is doing to Vision's corpse, um, following her to the residence that Vision has had bought and set up for them to grow old in, and then seeing as an emotional wave of magic energy erupt from Wanda and create that sitcom world that we saw back in episode one. Yeah. I, uh, in, in regards to the sword visit, I, I found it really interesting the way that her and Hayward mm-hmm. talk to each other, because if you notice Hayward rarely refers to vision as he almost always yeah. it. So his attitude is very clear here, and I'm still trying to figure out, given what we see in the mid credit scene, if Hayward wanted Wanda to be here and tried to coax her to do something by allowing her to go down to the body, telling his men to stand down. Granted, he knew there was no way guns were going to do anything against <laughs> Stay Wanda. Stay illusion of power. But... Yeah, yeah, but Hayward has a goal in mind, I think, even at this point. And if Wanda can make that goal happen, then he's going to take any chance. And he might have taken a chance right here. It didn't work out, but he he tried. Mm -hmm. See, I think you're right on. Because that line where he says, are you sure? Where where Wanda says, you know, "I, I just want the funeral. Are you sure? Not everyone has the kind of power that could bring their soulmate mm. back online. And then he corrected himself from online to back to life. Mm-hmm. And so, yep. And that at that point is where then she jumped down. I think he was completely egging her on. One hundred percent. I'm so glad that y'all brought this up because there is double speak going on with Hayward, like. You know, he's telling mm-hmm. Wanda, oh, you know, we're trying to disassemble one of the most sophisticated sentient weapons ever made. But we also know that's not true. Like, he's been trying mm-hmm. to bring that back online. Uh, we've seen it as, you know, Darcy and or Dr. Lewis and company have been going through his notes. We see it, obviously, by the end credits of him powering up Vision. You know, he has different goals. And that egging on Wanda definitely feels like what he's doing. And... You know, Rob, you brought it up earlier in the previous section of, you know, even if we get to the point where Wanda's done this, we know it's not malevolent because she they make a distinction. One, she just wanted a funeral. She didn't take the body Mm -hmm. and she wasn't I mean, this might be a stretch. She wasn't overly aggressive. Like, yes, she threw the door open. Yes, she broke the glass, but she didn't assault anyone. And so, yeah, the edit of that footage that we saw earlier looked a lot more attacking than this version. Yeah. Okay. So they had her breaking indoors, uh, which she did do. And so they have footage of that when she broke them in rather than being buzzed in. They just weren't the doors to where Mm -hmm. Vision's body was. Mm hmm. 
Right. Right. And we thought they were. And then there's that glitch and then the body's gone, you know, and that's just, you know, creative editing. Mm -hmm. And then it's believable that the glitch is something wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, what I do find interesting is I felt like Hayward was actually more sympathetic and less of a jerk here. Now, I think he was clearly trying to manipulate her, but I think that was part of it. Yeah. The, the way he took her into the office, the way he's like, look, I want to show you. Sorry, I can't let you take him for this reason. You know, the $3 million, billion million dollars worth of vibranium we put in the ground and very straightforward with her. I'm sorry, he's not yours. Mm-hmm. But he did still, for me, come across that, like, well, we almost get out of that first episode with him, more sympathetic and less of what we see later. Yeah, I can see that. You know, that's so funny because I wrote the direct opposite. I put, <laughs> I put Hayward's dumb. He really needs to work on his bedside manner. Like the way that he was so brutal about Monica not having the stomach to deal with her mom passing away. And then the way that he was just like speaking so bluntly to Wanda about losing vision. I was like, man, this guy. He just, he has one track mind when it comes to getting what he needs. Well, see, I think this is where, I think to me, this is y'all's going to be y'all saving grace is <laughs> he, he's a master manipulator. Mm-hmm. And, and Trey and I mm-hmm. talked about this a little bit before you jumped on with us was, okay, we keep saying orchestrator. That's not that far from being manipulated. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and in that way, Very true. Haywood in a lot of ways is getting the things he wanted. Yeah. And manipulating people to do so. So, like, we bring up the line about throwing that Monica's mother's death in, his, in her face. He just mm-hmm. seems too calculated to that. You know, that's... He was trying to get her to do something, is my thought there. Or would you guys feel like, yes, the orchestrator theory is right if we find out that it was a Haywoods-type manipulation? Like, Wanda did it. But she was taken advantage of in in, in that way. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I would say confirmed. If that's the case, um, my ego would say <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I I still feel when I, when I, at least for when I was my interpretation of the orchestrator was somebody was using her through either through her or manipulating her to use those powers to create that world. But clearly, if, again, we've already seen them play around with creative edits, but it's kind of hard when it was a direct shot, you know, we see that explosion of magic from within her and it changes the world. So that's hard to refute. Um, Yeah. Well, okay. So let me add to this on this whole manipulator thing. Did y'all get a sense of who left that card in the car? I, I, there's a part of me, I'm going to be completely honest. There's a part of me that wanted to say like, oh man, did Hayward plant that? And that's what sent them there. But that felt like as much as I was going to bat for Wanda not being guilty that I was like, I, that's just me reaching. But that makes me happy that you got potentially got that a sense of something else. Yeah. It it just seemed weird that like she got in a car and she looked at it like it was out of place. See, I had the thought that at least my read was that was in there before she got out of the car to go into sword. Like this was Aaron number one. And if she got vision's body, she was going to oh, take it back to Westview yeah. to bury it. Okay. Okay. I, I'm going to 
I will laugh until the end of this podcast if by the end of this somehow Jude gets on the orchestrator theory and I have fallen completely off. <laughs> <laughs> Total switch. Okay, so um, no, hold on. Let me think about that for a second. I like that, that 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 was her in planned. Like that's where she was going to bury Vision. I mm-hmm. didn't think of it that way. Because hmm. I took it completely as like somebody planted that. Mm-hmm. Mm. In which case, there's an intent of planning it so that, but how would they possibly know like her true level of power? And that would be the result if that's what they were aiming for. Like, what yeah. would the motivation have been yeah. to yeah. plant that there? Otherwise, no, no, no. I think, I think your way is a better, a better way of going with that scene or, yeah. or that card. Yeah. I will say this the biggest driving force for me wanting an orchestrator is, you know, I've talked about it a lot. I didn't want that trope of, you know, oh, a very emotional woman can't control her powers and everything goes away. Mm-hmm. Like that just mm-hmm. felt lazy to me. The fact that, Rob, you pointed out the the way they've gone out, well, the, they've gone out of their way to show that there was never a malevolent feel to it. She, she mm-hmm. was at peace. I just want to bury the body. Mm-hmm. To me, that's groundwork yeah. from where we got it in game where she was at peace with Clint to here. And if that idea of the wave becoming insurmountable is happening, that's a little bit easier for me to walk through than just being like, oh, she can't control her emotions. That is just repeated, repeated sure. trauma. So I like that. I don't have honestly too much to say. I, I keep repeating this. I don't have too much to say other than how heartbreaking it was. It, you know, in this little section that we're talking about, she has that moment where she she has her red hands over Vision's forehead and she says, I can't feel you. Mm-hmm. They've gotten mm-hmm. so many miles yeah. out of that exchange between them in Infinity War. And it's just like, God, it just, it hurts, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And and you know what? That's, I didn't have much to say. I just, I just, I jotted that line down, but I, I didn't, uh, it was just, it was powerful. Mm-hmm. Anytime something like that comes full circle is oh, just, yeah. it's just good writing. Like whether it was intended, like clearly when they wrote that in infinity war, they didn't intend for it to be paid off later, but Marvel's so smart mm-hmm. to keep going mm-hmm. back to those things and pulling them up because that that's the stuff we remember. That's the emotional stuff that they've given us before. So like, not only are they giving us the emotion of the moment, but they're also right. tying it to our previous emotions. Right. And that's Absolutely. that's just plain good writing. Yeah, that to kind of like wrap up this theme of like that's the magic trick, right? Like Marvel didn't it say really like, is, yeah. all right, here's year one. In ten years, we're gonna have Tony Stark do the snap. <laughs> They've just they pay attention to those little details and keep calling back to it. So yeah, like you said, good writing. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I enjoyed. Uh, it's kind of in that line of like showing that this wasn't malicious is we got glimpses of the Westview residents in action before that explosion of magic to kind of Uh see what their daily life was. Yeah. And I don't want to read too much into it because that would just be, uh, you know, filling in gaps that I don't think we're going to get, but there is this feeling of doldrums. Like, just like everybody's just kind of like there going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we had the the mailman mm-hmm. who I think he had like a pizza bag or something. Um, 
You had Mrs. Hart, who was just kind of like sitting at a coffee table outside. Um, it, it was just a, it was a fun, well, not maybe fun's not the right word. It was a good thing that they had a distinct line between what their life was like before and after the Wanda anomaly. Agreed. Yeah. Well, okay. So two things. A, really kind of disappointed. And the delivery man, like, like we, like, like there, there was, there was so much, I feel like, at least for Trey and I build up of like, it's gotta be important. He's gotta be important. It's gotta be important. And then it's just like, oh, you're, you're that guy. Um, yeah. But there is the sense of, it's interesting. Cause like he, she goes through and it's almost like she recognizes the town for, mm-hmm. from her sitcom, you know, knowledge. But she also, it's like she mm-hmm. noticed that the people, I don't want to say weren't happy, but they didn't feel content. And it yeah. was almost like, like, like in remaking the town, they were getting, well, like the, the delivery, uh, he, like you said, he had pizza and now he was still delivering things, but there was, I don't want to say more importance than pizza because pizza delivery is pretty important. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, I mean, you had this, just this level of depth maybe to their life. They added something on that they didn't have before. You saw Miss Hart and she was alone. So, yeah. So, so in some ways, you know, I do wonder was part of their life, was Wanda controlling them fully? Or were they getting some kind of choice of improvement the way Wanda was? Hmm. Along those lines, I was thinking that, and it, it only came to me kind of now, uh, is that when Wanda breaks down, falls to her knees, we see the mm-hmm. kind of vortex of power and Westview is created in that sitcom image that she wants. Maybe that drive through town made her see people. I don't know if she was seeing them through her lens because mm-hmm. she's in a bad place right now, or if that's really where those people are at as well. And in seeing them like that was almost like, because everything's being created, I would think out of her subconscious, really. She doesn't actively do all this, which is why she can't remember doing it. And maybe seeing them like that was almost like I'm doing these people yeah. a favor. It wasn't necessarily a choice that, oh, I'm going to make everyone's life better by taking control of them. It was, I bet these people would be yeah. a lot happier if if everything was a little lighter. And, you know, if they do full-blown go down that villainous role for Wanda at some point, because we know it ties into uh, mm-hmm. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, if they're going to go down that villainous role, we've seen the best villains are the villains that are doing it for like a sympathetic reason. Like you can kind of understand what they're doing. Right. And so if it goes down this road, you know, Wanda wanting to make life better for people, what's so wrong with that? You know, obviously that is, Mm -hmm. but you can almost see the reasoning that makes them do what they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. I found it interesting that when she did, I would say let go, you know, and, and have that burst of energy, anger, and sadness. Um, uh-huh. I did I did like where she moved direct to the direct center of the house. 
you know, like dead center of the home is, is where it took place. Mm. You know, home is where the heart is. You had that vision. This is where you grow old. Um, so you, you have a lot of those themes and right, right there in the center is where that explosion happens. And, you know, so I, I just, I liked that kind of symbolism there. Now this bugs me. I don't know why, but you have that, the, the, the letter, like, cause I paused and looked at it and it was a property deed for Wanda Maximoff and the vision. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why they'd have a property deed for Wanda Maximoff (laughs) and the vision. Because he died twice. She got she mm-hmm. got dusted and came back, but he didn't come back from being dusted. So I I just I don't so that's the other thing where I still go back to like it's clearly a property deed for that land. Oh, I see. Yeah. It might be a reach, but the way I took it is that they they did all that before the snap. Like while they were mm-hmm. still living okay. at the Avengers compound or even in those two years that they mm-hmm. kept disappearing for mm-hmm. when they were kind of sneaking off together and having a relationship and all that stuff during that time is when they planned this like future yeah. together. Because I mean, they even framed it as here's our trial run. Like this is what life would be like if we were together and vision is like, I, right. I, I think it's working. I want to do this. You know, I could see that being like his backup plan. But, Jude, I want to say, I think you're slowly working me over into this. Like, this is a Hayward scheme (laughs) because before this, I don't know if we've ever has anybody ever referred to vision as the vision that feels very cold. I know that's his comic book name, but that would fit in line with the way Hayward is careful in the way that he refers to vision it or offline or reassemble like he doesn't speak to it as a person it's more of like a moniker i'm thinking through i think i only ever remember hearing vision throughout the mc same yeah yeah so that the vision feels like i don't know it feels different in a way that we've seen it doesn't feel as emotional as other characters have referred to it's just his legal name instead of mister he uses the (laughs) (laughs) very formal i think that's how he signed this over exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh that's perfect (laughs) oh man all right, so I think one of the, the the bigger moments that we've got left to tackle is essentially as we've gotten out of these therapeutic walk down memory lanes for Wanda, we see that Agatha Wait, has on, taken the kids. Before we do that, yeah, I'm not crazy. She created a whole new vision, right? She absolutely did. Okay. Yeah, that's a good okay. point. I can't. I because I skipped over that completely. Yeah, but it was even we even talk about the way that they color code power so wanda's red uh, vision's yellow agatha's purple it was interesting that distinguishing that moment of vision being created you know wanda had her outflowing of red power and then there was almost like this yellow power that's seeping from it that was forming this new vision i wonder what that means in terms of his existence past mm. the show. Mm-hmm. Well, it I think it helps answer 
Dr. Lewis's question, why he couldn't exist outside of the hex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If he was created inside the hex and the hex is kind of keeping him alive. But that also again brings me to the question of where the last episode where I kind of questioned this whole, like your love is real. And I'm like, but he doesn't remember anything before. And he was literally created out of nothing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think something, I think something big is going to happen between the visions. Can I, can I throw a crazy Double theory vision. in here? Oh, please. And this Go is, this is pure speculation on the moment. Uh, so I think one of the most telling things, like you said, Trey, is the difference in color of energy here. Uh huh. What if from Wanda's connection to the vision, not just because they were both created by the mind stone, but when she was using her energy in infinity war on the mind stone itself between that and when she goes to his body at sword and is like, I can't feel him in here. What if she picked up residual code? What if, because Banner has said in the past that vision is more than the mind stone. So even though the mind stone was destroyed, there are remnants of him somewhere. Right. So what if, what if this version of vision, this hex version of vision is a combination of bits of his code combined with Wanda's memory of him. And that's why he has some level of sentience and Mm -hmm. agency of his own. Right. That's good. That's really good. It's a good thing Kevin Feige super fan. That's it's w- gonna be <laughs> it's, 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 that's what we're doing moving forward. <laughs> I wonder what that's gonna mean again, like you said, now that we have double visions, you know, it feels like the the white vision we got in the in credit is the mechanical side. And the yellow uh, conjuring that we got with Wanda is the emotional side. Do we have a pathway to our old buddy? I think the path is there. Whether they take it, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Because this feels like a tragic show to me. Yeah. And I keep waiting for it to hit me even harder. Uh Um, Uh I wouldn't be disappointed if it didn't. I know some people would. Mm. But they've laid the groundwork either way. So would you want that? Would you want him to take that path? Because it, it, one of the critiques of the MCU, again, the, the stakes and having lasting mm-hmm. stakes and having Vision being dead, dead, is that something we'd want them to undo? For a lot of characters, I mm-hmm. like like Pietro, Pietro's dead. Like I, We don't need him back. There's no reason to bring him back. It doesn't make sense to bring him back. Right. Based on Vision's artificial life force and the fact that he is partially code, like Ultron comes back all the time in the comics. Uh-huh. Vision's not all that different. No. So if they were to bring him back through those kind of means, I would have no issue with that because that is part and parcel for a lot of artificial life forms in all sorts of media. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, you know, I was, I was kind of upset when I was doing my notes. I was like, man, I don't know if I have a good prediction for episode nine. I think I just came up with one and I'll say this and we'll, I'll, I'll save the rest for when we get to predictions. I think the best writing comes from hard choices. 
And we're going to see that pathway be a choice that Wanda has to make. Mm. Uh, and I'll elaborate on that mm. more when we get okay. to the predictions. But I think that's what that might end up being. Okay. So thank you. Thank you for that correction, Jude, because I completely almost overlooked that. That was a that was a good pit stop. But to, to set it up, one of the, the bigger things that we're getting to here is that revelation after that, you know, walk through memory lane for Wanda. Agatha has that reveal where she, you know, has the kids hostage. She's scared of Wanda by saying, you don't know how powerful you are. You are the Scarlet Witch. And that's where our episode ends. You know, I, I mentioned uh, earlier in one of the sections we were talking about how, like, there's that that lore behind it like i like that they have built up the scarlet witch as this um mm-hmm. folklore and it exists in and out of who wanda is and i think that's such a cool way to bring that moniker in um i'm sure there are other ways we've seen it but i think this is one of the coolest ways that we've seen mm-hmm. a comic book superhero name drop no i think i think you're right um cuz we don't get well i mean for naming rights, they weren't allowed to use it up until mm-hmm. now. You know, um, it was Wanda Maximoff and Pietro for MCU. Didn't I think it was Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch was allowed on the Fox side. And so right. being able to use that name now, this is a good way. I, I agree with you to work that in. Um, and I think it adds depth to Agnes. Agnes. Agatha. Hey, they're the same character. You're good. <laughs> I, I know. I just, uh, but, but, cause like she here becomes her mom, you know, from the very beginning scene or the, I'm assuming she called mom. So it's her mom. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you're too powerful, mm-hmm. you know, or too dangerous and tries to do away with her. And she's now saying this to Wanda. You know, I like that because I, I didn't grasp that she became her mom. But it would make sense. We talked about how there is parallels that they're drawing with Agatha and Wanda. And, it, well, you know, we talked about it before. What's scarier than seeing that the person you're afraid of mm-hmm. is afraid too? Like, showing that Agatha is afraid of Wanda illustrates just mm-hmm. how powerful she is. And I like that you do see, as you've pointed out, that role reversal where she's like, no, you need to be stopped. You can't mm-hmm. control this kind of thing. And, of course, they're paying off the heavy lean that they did with Hayward saying, really? She's got no like catchy name, anything like that. Uh uh Like they really leaned on that when it happened. So Uh (laughs) now we get the actual name reveal. Yeah. Now, see also, I think Agatha slash Agnes slash Catherine Hahn, uh, like, like got exactly what she wants. Like, like she finally figured out, okay, this is how Wanda did this by this extreme sense of loss and she's trying to get her to, I I don't know, do it again through her kids. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. See, I, I assumed that she got her answer, but now she's terrified because she knows the truth. She was hoping it was something that she could do, Mm -hmm. but now that she knows she's the Scarlet witch, she's like, you're too powerful. And like you said, kind of took her mom's role and like, I need to, I need to take care of you. You got to be put down. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. You know, in this vein of the kids, something I couldn't quite reconcile 
is so clearly Wanda's done this. Her explosion of magic is what brought Agatha to this place. And that's where Agatha wanted to learn how she did it, assuming to to drain her of her magic because that's what she does in her little mm-hmm. prequel starter. Um, but something conflicts in in that there seemed to be guiding on Agatha's part in needing to create these kids. Uh, the way that she was giving uh, courting advice in that first episode, uh, the way that they were having the for the children section, there seems like there's been this thing where they need to have the kids. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. But feel free to push back. It feels like that conflicts with, oh, I was just here because I sensed the magic. Or, oh, I was here because we needed yeah, to Yeah, so kind of I think they have, this is why I was saying I think the final episode needs to be three hours long. Because I feel like <laughs> they've pointed us in a few different directions. If it's yeah. not, we might be. <laughs> uh, they, they've pointed things in a few different directions that if they don't address them, I'm going to be a little disappointed. Because it feels like incredibly purposeful red herrings. And that that I never appreciate mm-hmm. if they don't make logical sense within the narrative. I've started to wrestle with the idea that we're not going to get, I think, a resolve or an ending that we'd hope for. Uh, I think we're going to like it, mm-hmm. but knowing that Scarlet Witch is going to show up in Doctor Strange too, I think we're going to be. I think we're we're headed for an Empire Strikes Back, Infinity War type ending with some resolution down the line. It's very possible. And and in that way, I'm guessing we'll see the kids again. You know, whether mm-hmm. it's through this episode and they survive, they don't survive, I don't I don't know what. But the kids were too great for them to just move on from or use them in that way. Mm-hmm. One of my final notes, kind of as we're wrapping up this section, is, you know, we've already talked about this idea of Wanda had this love for television, which is why we see that manifested in the episodes prior to us finally getting a clearer picture of what's going on. And we see it again here, where after we have that clear picture that Wanda did this black and white world. We cut back. She's standing in that house, but it's in color. And Agatha's clapping Mm -hmm. in the the audience. Mm -hmm. If and maybe this is just me. If I'm creating my perfect world, why is the camera in the studio set there? Like I would want to live. I had in a that similar world. question, uh, and it goes to one of my like I have a whole list of lingering questions that I hope they answer, and I know I'm going to be disappointed because they're not uh-huh. going to get around to all of them. <laughs> but I'm still trying to figure out why there was a broadcast occurring at all, and then why did it stop at right. a certain point? Yes, right. Yeah. So that's like that's what I was building to. Like it feels. We, I hope we get that answer mm-hmm. on the broadcast because for so long I was holding on to this idea that it was Wanda's SOS. Clearly not the case. What is that production yep. element right. to these right. these manifestations? Well, I, okay, I I read, hmm, I read Agatha and the studio audience as not real. Like for me, at that point, they were still in her basement. Oh, that that's an interesting question then. Which you know, house did she run out of 
Agathus. So they probably were still in her basement, if that's the case. Yeah, see, that's the way I took it. She ran out of... That makes sense. ...her basement. And so at that point, like, that was a fabrication in the basement. So then what can we believe if what we witnessed was Agatha's conjuring of past events? Oh, boy. <laughs> Getting back on my grandstand. <laughs> I was on this grandstand the entire time. No, I'm kidding. Um, I th- season two, Wanda. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I. Yeah. Hmm. I'm fa- I'm fairly certain I remember seeing the purple flowers as she was running out, which they've used to denote Agatha's house. Right. So. Yeah, that's a good. It does question. make sense. Yeah. 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 Hmm. That might be. We just gotta wait and see. I mean, we're one episode away from well, hopefully having Agatha a lot of easy answers. So. <laughs> Don't get it in my head. That song is so catchy. <laughs> God, I've had it all, and it's so hard because I'm like, just to paint a picture, I wouldn't talk about Captain America wielding Mjolnir until a year mm-hmm. after the movie came out. You have no idea how much I've been avoiding talking about it was Agatha okay, all along. So, did y'all see the cut of? The all the different Avengers throughout the MCU dancing to that song. No, um, yeah, that's okay. great though. It's somewhere I think I saw it on Twitter floating around. Yeah, uh, Tara from There Was an Idea, mm-hmm. she retweeted it, so I'll have to make sure to send it to you, Rob. Oh, it is great. It. Well, unless anybody's got any more, I think that's gonna wrap it up for this section. Anybody got any? Uh, Everything I have remaining add? is all stray thoughts. Yep. Okay, well then let's go ahead and move in to our stray thoughts. Uh, Rob, would you like to go first? Sure. I will breeze through these as fast as I can because <laughs> <laughs> I know this is probably getting long for you. Uh, so to to go way back to the initial monologue, there were a few things that stood out to me. Um, I really enjoyed the line of that accent really does come and go, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Probably yeah, the yeah. most meta joke we've heard in the series so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a great surrogate for that skepticism. Yep, yep. Uh-huh. Uh, Agatha confirmed the possession of Pietro. Yes. And even referred to him as Pietro, <laughs> which is what I assume Marvel thought the internet would be referring to him as. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I think they're kind of calling that, um, just kind of calling that, and kind of confirms that Evan Peters is stunt casting here. Yeah. 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 Which is was my kind of initial thought. Like I didn't want him to be the X Men universe's Quicksilver. See, that's the and I'm glad he's I'm, not. That's the greatest thing I'm <laughs> They could always retcon it too. Like if you have that grain of sand, dude, you hold on to that even years from now because you never know when they're going to come <laughs> back around. To it. That's the way Marvel works. <laughs> um, and there's another line where she says to Wanda, "I tried to be gentle." to nudge you awake from this ridiculous fantasy. Uh-huh. And that particular line does not check out for me. Because yeah, I kept thinking from, through, where does that happen? Yeah, from everything we saw her do as Agnes, it seemed like she was trying to keep Wanda invested in the fantasy. Uh-huh. Not, not coax her out of it, but really keep her involved. Uh-huh. Which makes us lean to the whole thing of, it was all for the children. Like, all the evidence up to this episode 
points to it's about the kids. Yep. And it Rob, could, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> it could still become that in the final episode. The problem is there are so many misdirects in this yeah. show that I don't even know what to think anymore. Right. Like, yeah. It's all over the place. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, as far as my lingering questions go, we, we talked about the broadcasting one. Mm-hmm. I still really want to know the significance of the colorized things that we saw during the black and white era. Uh, we saw we saw the blinking toaster light, which we also saw the relation to the bomb in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw the helicopter drone. And you could say that those two things were linked to things outside, but that doesn't explain Dottie's blood. No, it doesn't. Mm-mm. And... If I had a grain of sand to live on, <laughs> it's the fact that Dottie's more than she seemed. That's what I've been kind of saying the entire time. Yeah. But they've they've dropped her into the background so much that I'm like, I'm basically sinking in this thing. I saw somewhere that that was like the one character they needed Feige's permission on in terms of really? who to cast. Oh, I got you. Interesting. So I, I got to look that up. I don't remember where I saw it, but I remember reading that of all the the casting for characters, Dottie was the one that they had to get, go up to Feige level. Well, I mean, they did have that quick shot of her last episode, so they haven't forgotten about her. Right. And, well, I don't know, because I did say they had a direct shot of Monica getting the text messages, so <laughs> we saw how that played out. <laughs> I um I'd also love them to address the glowing book, which they didn't do this week. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh but I assume again, I assume they're gonna wrap some of these things up and maybe they're not. Uh but I, I'm I'm very caught up in the misdirects right now because mm-hmm. before last week's episode, when they gave us that scene with Vision and Agnes, like on the edge of Westview, I was in the camp of it's Agatha Harkness. And then they did that. And I was like, there's no logical reason for that scene to exist other than to misdirect us. If she is Agatha Harkness. And then lo and behold, she's Agatha Harkness. I just given up on it. And where I am right now, I've been on the Mephisto train. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then this episode, of course, makes me go, I don't know about that anymore. So next week, they're just going (laughs) to pull the rug out from under me again (laughs) and do it all over. So, again, I don't know who to believe anymore. It's good when a show does this, though. Yeah, it is. As long as they can justify those misdirects to me. Right. And they're not just there for the audience's sake. Right. That's all I got. So what about you, Jude? Uh, a couple things I noticed that is in there. Um, you know, obviously Agatha was super powerful from the very beginning. Her color was purple; the others were blue. Mm-hmm. It was interesting the the whole idea of her draining or sucking the life force out. I thought when Mister Scratch ate the bird, I just put gross. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the TV I thought was interesting. She was when she was reaching out towards the ticking bomb. The yeah. the Dick Van Dyke show was still playing on the TV, so she was still watching that. Mm. The line, don't be scared, you already lived it once, was super creepy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she watched watched the Brady Bunch uh, during, after her entanglement, I guess, use that word, with the Mind Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, Very accommodating of Hydra. Yeah, yeah, super accommodating. <laughs> um, well, you know, 
you know, you can treat your people somewhat well. Um, <laughs> she survived. They got to take care of her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Agatha wipes a fake tear from her eye. Um, yeah. That, that was interesting. Yeah. You know, I still don't feel like they explained how she got from Tony's funeral to this point, even yeah. though she showed up at Sword. Like, why all of a sudden now I want the body? I feel like they maybe have shot, even shot a scene that just didn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. You've been gone for five years. You got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> she goes to the funeral, picks up the deed, goes to sword. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, that's it. That wraps up on my stray thoughts that I had. Cool. So, yeah, uh, you know, I would basically be echoing a lot of what you guys are saying. Um, you know, we talked about the broadcasting. That was one thing that I was still there. Uh, do just to, to hit it a little bit more, you know, I got so excited in that beginning where we saw the blue power for the witches. And I was like, oh, this is it. This is how we're going to get confirmation that Agatha's power was blue. And then because she drained Wanda, it was purple. Now she immediately had purple power. <laughs> so they pretty much shot me down for the beginning. Um, my only other straight thought is they're not going to tell us about the beekeeper, are they? He's just gone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good call. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be without getting too much into spoilers. He's going to be that character from Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to see him in a random cameo in Spider-Man 3. Is what we're gonna... <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, cool. That's going to wrap up Stray Thoughts, which leaves only our predictions for Episode 9, the final episode of WandaVision. So, Rob, you got a prediction? I do. We're all wrong about everything. That's <laughs> <laughs> nothing we've said ever will be correct. Uh, now, the only the only thing and I, I, I really I find it hard to commit to anything at this point because they have shifted so many times. And this episode really changed the tone of what I thought the direction was. Mm-hmm. But I guess the the only prediction is kind of a question uh, for both of you. And that is, do you think that Billy and Tommy will exist outside of this series, outside of the Hex reality, or are they gone at the end of this? So I'm going to jump in because that ties in really well to that prediction I was setting up that came to mind. I think the way they're going to twist that knife in our heart is we are going to see that choice where in order for the kids to live outside of the Hex, it's going to mean saying goodbye to Vision. And that's going to be my prediction for episode nine. I like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I didn't have that in mind, but I do think they're going to live outside. Um, mm-hmm. and, and part of that just comes from knowing you're getting Kate Bishop and Hawkeye, Stature and Ant-Man and the Wasp, yeah. Quantumania. They're, they're building up the Young Avengers, mm-hmm. um, and, and Wicked and Speed are part of it. So I feel, I don't know if it'll be those two little kids, um, although I'd love to see more of those two kids. Those two kids have been great. Um, but I do think that, uh, also again, cleaning that grain of sand about uh, the X-Men and this is how they're introducing mutants. Um, I feel like something's going to happen that the hex will impact the rest of reality in the Mm. world for lasting Mm -hmm. permanently. Um, and so in that way, yeah, I think they exist after. I mean, the scary thing is this is a show about grief, which means that we are going to have a big knife in the heart during the mm-hmm. series mm-hmm. finale. And ultimately, 
in a normal storytelling setup, this show is about Wanda accepting saying goodbye. Yeah, and that's yeah. going to be the hardest thing to watch. But I still think that's where they're going. <sighs> I'm I I'm very emotional when it comes to television and movies. Same. I feel like I'm going to be. That's my prediction. I'm going to be crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> so, well, see, okay, so for me, A, when I'm watching something, it's not hard to make me cry. So if they can't, I don't feel like the director showrunners doing their job. Mm. You know, like, because mm. if you couldn't get me invested enough to move me emotionally, um, then I just wasn't interested in the show. Yeah. You know, um, and... and so yeah, so like that's that's part of that for me on the crying. Uh, prediction wise, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say, because I, I just I hate that it's a big MacGuffin. It's kind of like the the beekeeper thing. I hope that we find out um, who Wu's missing person was. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like that's gonna be gonna be something. See, I I don't know. I just hate the idea that that was just you know, MacGuffin, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I'm, I really want, you know, maybe I'm wanting that more than anything. Um, but that would be kind of my prediction. Still going to cling to the whole Nexus connection to multiverse. We're going to see some other mutant mm-hmm. as well. I hope so. Well, awesome. I think that's going to wrap it up for our episode. Rob, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us on this. This has been incredibly fun. This was an absolute blast. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Um, I just want to say, like, I've been podcasting for a long time. You guys are already at a place where I was not when I got started. So major props to you. Because, I mean, I look back at my original episodes. I'm like, oh, boy. Uh, you guys are doing a fantastic show over here. One that I enjoy as a fan, not just as a guest. So, uh, congrats. Great show. Loving it. Thank you. That means a lot. Seriously. Uh, speaking of being emotional. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it really does that, uh, coming from somebody with the, as many podcasts as you produce and take part of and all your experience. Um, and we try really hard to, to have a good show and, um thank you thank you a lot yeah so you know if you've been listening uh don't forget to follow the rob logan on twitter and uh, i believe you do do this on twitch as well you have your own show going through uh the wandavision episode um that's on sundays yeah right now we've been doing it at uh sunday on sundays at uh i think we're moving to like 3 p.m eastern at twitch.tv slash the rob logan um yeah like you said twitter and twitch the rob logan uh, of course we have a bunch of different podcasts on the geek generation network mm-hmm. covering all sorts of stuff like the orville avatar the last airbender netflix is dark uh movies comics and all that stuff and you can find it all at thegeekgeneration.com. yeah and of course all of that will be linked in the show description so there'll be easy clickable links make sure you go and follow and subscribe and listen thank you All right. Well, if you have any thoughts on this episode, whether predictions, stray thoughts, or anything in general, you can always reach us at MCNeedToKnow on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you'd like to join our Discord, we have that linked in the description too.
And if you don't mind, while you're on, uh, please leave us a like and a review. Is it a like or a star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast? It really helps out the show. Uh, the feedback is tremendously helpful for us. And the best thing you could do for us is share with a friend. Yeah. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work linked in the description below. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Rob and Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. All right, well, if you have any thoughts on this episode, whether predictions, stray thoughts, or anything in general, you can always reach us at MC Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you'd like to join our Discord, we have that linked in the description too. Oh, yeah, that's me. And- Is it me? <laughs> well, oh, there's our tag. Okay. One of them. <laughs> that was a goof up on my part. I didn't add that bullet point in the show notes. <laughs> I... So where are we at? Uh, for sure an intag, but you can go ahead and do the ratings and review. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, what were you saying about us being uh, <laughs> super professional, <laughs> the most professional. 